0: Now get 0% APR or up to $1,500 bonus cash on the Hyundai Tucson. Now, during the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event. Offers end soon. Call 562-314-4603 for details.
1: If you're a woman over 40 dealing with hot flashes, insomnia, brain fog, moodiness, or weight gain, you don't have to accept it as just another part of aging. The experts at Midi Health know all these symptoms can be connected to the hormonal changes of menopause. And MIDI can help with safe, effective, FDA-approved solutions covered by insurance. 91% of MIDI patients get relief from symptoms within just two months. Book your virtual visit today at joinmidi.com. Hi, this is Garrett Sisti. Hold for applause. The host of the Lightning Round podcast and Score More with Garrett Sisti, all under the Bolts from the Blue podcast network covering your local Los Angeles Chargers. The podcasts are great, but don't take my word for it. Listen to this kid. Kids don't lie. It seems. Forget the kids. Search Bolts from the Blue on iTunes to find great Chargers podcasts like the Lightning Round podcast and score more with Garrett Sisti and add them to your podcast rotation.
2: I'm not giving you that dollar. <laughs>
1: Log Talk Radio.
3: What's up, everyone? It's the love, the jam, the podcast. This is that was not as. (laughs) <laughs> as smooth as I wanted it to be, but welcome to the Lob the Gem, the podcast. That was our new intro. I hope you enjoyed it. I definitely was riveted by every second. I'm back here with ya, with Rob, as always. How are you doing, Rob?
4: Uh, I'm doing okay. How are you doing?
3: I'm doing okay, too. Well is probably a little bit more of an overstatement. Uh, overstatement? Yeah, Uh, The Clippers have lost a bunch of games to close the season. Um, Six out of seven, to be precise. And if you kind of go Mm -hmm. back before that, they lost a good what? Like they lost maybe 10 of their last 15 or so to kind of end the season. Um, Not a great end to the season, but a pretty good season in general. The team ended up over 500. They were a a season high, like seven or so games over 500 at one point, eight games over 500. And they were, I think maybe at least in the sixth or seventh seed before things kind of fell apart and the schedule just hit the bricks and the team couldn't kind of recover. But, you know, it was a memorable season. It was absolutely a memorable season for a variety of reasons. It was definitely a (laughs) – uh, a season to remember for reasons not just because of the good play, but because of the huge things that happened. Blake Griffin got traded out of nowhere. Chris Paul, of course, left the team in the off-season. The team never seemed to really let up until the end of the year when they kind of stumbled just from attrition, really. Um, and it's been it's been a great run. But we should probably talk a little bit about this last stretch of games since we left you guys. Not terribly long ago, but still with a handful of games that we didn't cover. Rob, how did you like this last couple of weeks of Clipper basketball?
4: Not very well. Um, (laughs) I think there was a tendency by fans to talk about the team's just general collapse, but especially on defense in terms of guys not trying and lack of effort. And I really, uh, really think that's unfair to them they were just completely out of gas and were lacking so many players by the, by the end of the season. Uh, The the precise number is that they lost 11 of their last 16. Sandwiched in there, they won four of five, but then, as you mentioned, they lost six of their last seven. And the last four were all by double digits, um, including the last two, which really mattered, which were at Utah and at home against Denver, which they were just destroyed in both of those games. But it's, it's really tough to blame the players. I think that, yeah, they could have executed better. And, yes, there were probably moments where fatigue and, and just general grim attitude about the way the season was going crept in and affected their play. But it's, hard, it's, it's just hard to blame them for it. When you look at who was out by the end of the season, you have Pat Beverly, obviously, Avery Bradley for months now, Danilo Gallinari, Milos Teodosic. Milos Teodosic, and Jawan Evans, all of them done for the season. And then it was a real DJ had been playing through an ankle injury for like the last month. Lou Williams sprained his ankle four or five games before the season ended. Tobias Harris hurt his ankle. Austin Rivers was playing with a banged up elbow. I mean, a lot of teams have these little nagging injuries, which guys have, but the Clippers were just completely destroyed by them by the end of the season. They had like three or four healthy players and – None of them were really key players, so they fell apart. They were tired, and they were injured, and they were ultimately less talented than the teams that finished ahead of them. I think we can safely say that they're worse than all the teams who made it ahead of them, and they're worse than Denver, and they didn't deserve to make the playoffs, and it is what it is, but the Denver game in particular, the Denver and Utah games were just brutal. Did, mm-hmm. you, watch, did you watch both of those games in real time? No, not in real
3: time. I just kind of watched over some bits and pieces. I wasn't going to force myself to watch the whole thing, but yeah, (laughs) I didn't, I didn't watch the whole games. I did watch quarters and just kind of just to watch some Clipper basketball, but yeah, those games were not games. I wanted to log into my psyche too much.
4: Uh, Yeah, I was, I was actually at that game. I was covering it. Um, just because I thought that it would be a crucial game. It was really already too late at that point. The odds were mathematically super against them, even if they did win that game. But the energy in the arena was actually surprisingly good, I thought, at least when they kept it close. But the lack of defense was just horrible. Um, You know, they were breaking down every single play. The Nuggets were getting open looks. And the Nuggets are a really good offensive team, like one of the best in the NBA. But still, the Clippers just could not stop them if you actually went through and watched the game again and and really Mm -hmm. chopped it up by possession, I'm not sure that they got more than two stops in a row the entire length of the game. Like I'd say even two in a row is putting it a bit like those probably only happened a couple times. Really. They just, the defense was so, so, so bad. And then even in the Lakers game, which they played yesterday, I mean, it was obviously a complete garbage time, but the Lakers were just getting endless amounts of open threes. And It is what it is. Like, they don't have that many talented defensive players, and the ones they do have are mostly young, like Ty Wallace and Sandarius Thornwell, and those guys are prone to making rookie mistakes. Like, they foul on jump shooters shooters a lot. They double players who they don't necessarily double. Like, that time at the end of the Pacers game when Ty Wallace doubled Corey Joseph inside the three-point line and left Bogdanovich wide open for three uh, for completely inexplicable reasons... Like, they're good defensive players, and they're going to continue to get better as they get more time. But they're just not really up to the task of carrying a defense right now. And DJ was just clearly on the end of his tether uh, by the last couple of weeks. And we didn't know if he was playing through an injury. That was certainly part of it. But uh, mm-hmm. it, was, it was a pretty rough watch. That Spurs game was cool. Um, but that was really it. The last game before that that was any good was going all the way back into March now, which was the Bucks and and Raptors games. Uh, But yeah, the last few weeks of the season were were pretty bleak. Yeah.
3: The Clippers held uh, the Bucks and the Suns to 98 and 99 points uh, a while back, but before that, and aside from that, they hadn't held any team under 100 points This year, and the two that they held under 100 points scored 98 and 99 points and were two of the not, you know, the worst offensive teams in the league. So um, this team played no defense. I think I think particularly the post Blake Griffin era and just in general, this team all season just didn't play any defense. They were never going to really shut you down. They were always going to outscore you. Um, and that was just their M.O., and it kind of came back to bite them a bit at the end of the season, and they just couldn't stop any team. Like, every team scored on them. The Nuggets put up 134 points. All these last few games have all been, like, over 110 for the opposition. It's been it's been pretty bad defensively, and, you know, I think DeAndre running on fumes goes a long way to talk about that, um, but really... Personnel-wise, you know, DeAndre was a bit of a backbone, but we were relying so much on Lou Williams, and, you know, Austin Rivers is, is a good defender, but he's been kind of shaky this season, and we have Tobias Harris and all these new new players who are kind of getting used to each other. This just wasn't a defensive team. It just it wasn't quite that, and unfor- it's unfortunate because we have some stalwarts on the bench in Bradley and Beverly, but the team was just bled points. And I think it was completely apparent in that game you went to that Nuggets game that I actually did get to see live. It was really bad. It was just awful to see how easily the Nuggets were scoring. And it's not like the Nuggets are pushovers. They played very well to end the season and came super close to making the playoffs. But that team, I mean, it was just the epitome of what's been the Clipper problem all season really it's just not being able to stop anybody and just having these nice collective spurts of defense, but not really being consistent defensive team. So, you know, maybe a lot, a lot of that might be due to the personnel change and, you know, the fact that, you know, Gallinari Lou Williams are such important pieces to this team and they're just not really great defenders or versatile defenders. Um, you know, one of our best perimeter defenders was awful offensively in Sindaris Thornwell, and he never really became, you know, the rotation player we wanted him to be. Granted, he had a great game against the Pelicans to close the season, but he's he has a lot to work on as far as his offensive game. I mean, just not a great defensive team. So, I mean, that's fine. And they weren't – I don't think the Clippers were expected to really be great defensively this year. Uh, you know, you, we lost Chris Paul, who's lost a step – Defensively, but he's still a very much a plus defender. Um, we lost Pat Beverly pretty quick into the season and just that's too much riding on Deandre's shoulders, especially with Austin rivers being depended on to run the offense so much more this year. Um, it's hard to expect Austin to just be a liked out two way player. It's not that easy when you're trying to run pick and rolls all the time. So it's, that's definitely been a problem, and I think it reared its ugly head, especially to close the season and in all those games against the jazz, the nuggets, the Pelicans, and the Lakers, the team just couldn't do anything defensively so but that's enough about all the negativity. This has been a good season all around forty two and forty you know maybe maybe we were kind of spoiled by the success the team had um, around March or so and didn't expect them to kind of sputter this hard and have this kind of record. But over 500, uh, semi-rebuilding year, but it was still competitive. Uh, to me, honestly, this is sort of the best of both worlds. The team would have had, had to have lost substantially more to, uh, you know, be have a worse record than the Pistons or the Lakers. Um, so really, they kept my attention all year during a year where I really wanted to root for the Clippers and follow them. Um, but they also managed to keep a lottery pick, which I also wanted them to have. You know, the rational part of me, and I think of you as well, wanted the Clippers in the lottery to kind of bolster their future season and their just their future in general. Um, But still, there were so many good moments from the season. Uh, What were your favorite moments? What was your favorite game of the year,
4: Rob? This is a tough one. I think there are really three candidates that spring to mind for me. The first was Tunnelgate against the Rockets. Oh, yeah. That, um, was... that was a great game. A lot of that was just off the court. But also, I mean, they beat the Rockets, albeit without James Harden. But it was a really good win. Second would probably be the Lou Williams 50-point game where they beat the Warriors mm-hmm. in Oakland, which was, again, they were missing. Who were they missing? Were they missing Durant or Curry? I think they were missing... They were missing
3: – I want to say they were missing Curry because it was the Durant-Lou Williams duel pretty much. Yeah,
4: I think – so they were missing Steph Curry, which is obviously a big deal for them. And maybe Clay uh, Thompson Clippers, as well. Yeah, the, the, they were definitely down some guys, but it was still a huge win for the Clippers to finally beat the Warriors and in Oakland nonetheless. And then the third, I think, which ended up not meaning much but was just a ton of fun, was the Boban-Marjanovic comeback against the Nuggets. Yeah was just very enjoyable for Bobon reasons. Um I'd say of those, honestly the most enjoyable to me was probably the Warriors game, just because the Warriors have been such a monkey on the back of, of the Clippers for for so long. And beating them and beating Durant and Lou Williams just going absolutely insane, even for Lou Williams this season, just scoring fifty points. He had 27 in the third quarter. They could not stop him. They could not do anything. Everything he threw up was going in. Just the most incredible single, singular performance that we've seen from a Clipper in probably a couple years, I think, off the top mm-hmm. of my head, probably since um, a, a year or two farther back into the Chris Paul Blake Griffin era. And mm-hmm. it was it was just incredible. So I'd say that was probably my favorite game of the year. And my favorite particular moment if you break it down it was probably um the CJ Williams game winner was pretty cool yeah mm-hmm. and honestly that sendarius Thornwell dunk against yeah. the uh against the Pelicans was awesome uh I loved that that might have been the single most exciting play of the season for the Clippers which is kind of sad since it came after they were eliminated in game 81 in a loss uh, mm-hmm. but that was a pretty awesome play. So, yeah, I'd say Warriors game was my favorite game, and the Thornwell dunk was probably my favorite overall play. Uh, how about you? I mean, those were some of
3: my favorite games, just pretty much like my three. Uh, the game at at Toronto was really awesome. That was a really quality win. The Spurs game, of course, that we just had was also really great. Um, one of my favorite moments kind of lost in the fact that we lost Blake Griffin was the game winner in Portland. That was really cool, 4-0. I was really hyped. Um, I was pretty excited for Blake. You know, he's gone now, but that was an exciting time. I remember (laughs) being kind of, not arrogant, but like kind of, uh, you know, putting out my chest, talking about Blake and how this could finally be his team and all that stuff. And it sold me a bit. The Rockets game is probably my favorite game of the year. That was awesome. That was like a really fun game. Um, the game in Houston was also a decent game to remember. Mm-hmm. Granted, I don't think Harden uh, was it, no. Is it Paul that missed that game? Was it yeah, Paul that Paul missed it? Yeah. yeah, Paul missed that game. But still, that was that was a really great moment for Juwan Evans. I thought that was his mm-hmm. kind of coming out party. That was a great moment for him. Uh, the Thornwell dunk was great. I'm trying to think of some other games. The C.J. Williams three was awesome. Austin Rivers hitting clutch shots was great. The game at Denver, of course, was fantastic. Um, yeah, I mean, those were uh, those were some great games, and there were a lot of really fun games. The uh, Blake Griffin game-winner in Sacramento was, was fun. Um, yeah, the opener against the Lakers with Pat Beverly
0: that was, was a fun. lot of fun, yeah. too. Um,
3: that was, there were some really great games. And, you know, there were very few heartbreakers. You know, I I think the Clippers had a nice comeback against the Pelicans, I want to say, in L.A., and they kind of choked Mm -hmm. that game away. That was one of the few times where the Clippers kind of came back, got hold of the game, and then choked it away. I I think the Clippers did that a few times during that losing streak early in the year, but that felt like so long ago that it's hard to even really (laughs) recap it uh, properly. But ever since that and ever since Blake got traded, it felt like they clawed their way back into so many games and won them which is kind of not what the Clipper – these last few Clipper years have been defined by. A lot of choke jobs and just kind of wilting under pressure. The team was just constantly playing with house money that um, they never really wilted in those close games. You know, ex- a couple of exceptions maybe being uh, that Pelicans game. And really aside from that, they lost some close games, but there weren't games that they had control of. They lost the game – you know, at Indiana, at Portland and versus Indiana and, and games like that where they were they end up losing by five or six points or double, single digits. But those weren't games that they had control of. Those are games that they just wouldn't go away. You know, the game at Golden State was another one where they kind of just wouldn't go away, but you never really thought that they were going to win. So um, that was good because those heartbreakers really took a lot off my lifespan. So I'm glad that they didn't have that do that. Uh, done to them num- numerous times this year yeah if you had to say your three favorite clippers this year who would they be
4: i think lou williams and montrose harrell are two very obvious picks mm-hmm. uh, it would be tempting to say bobon but he was such a novelty and played so little like when you it's surprising how little he played he played less than everybody on the team but avery bradley bryce johnson and sean kilpatrick Um, Wow. Like he played in less minutes than Jamil Wilson did and Patrick Mm -hmm. Beverly did. Um, So uh, it is tempting to say him. I'll go Lou Montrez and, you know what, I think Juwan. I really, Juwan might have been the worst player on the Clippers this year, but he was so much fun to watch. Um, Like his offense. Just needs so much work, in his defensive game—you can see the glimpses of it—but uh, that'll just come with experience as he as he picks up how schemes work and how defensive players, um, really, just how defense in the NBA works compared to college, and how to guard quicker guys and stronger guys, and as he puts on muscle and gets you know into NBA NBA defensive level preparations and stuff. But he was really fun to watch for me. I think I got more purely excited when he checked in than any of the other Clippers, like, fringe rotation guys. But, I mean, the Mm -hmm. top two have to be Lou and Montrez, not just for how awesome they were, but for how surprising their seasons were.
3: Mm -hmm. Lou
4: really fell off towards the end of the year just because he was so tired. But he carried this team throughout the entire year. Those last two games where they didn't have Lou and basically everybody else is playing except for him, their offense looked so much worse, like unbelievably worse without him. Just taking him off the court and you take the Clippers from being a top 10 offense to like a bottom five offense this year, probably. And that is crazy. Um, And I don't even know how to describe what Montrezl Harrell did this season outside of dominance. He was dominant coming off the bench. He was one of the best bench players in the NBA. Lou Williams was the best bench player, but Harrell was probably a top five, probably the best bench big man in the entire NBA. And the two of them really carried the team when when the starters were struggling, which was most of the year, just due to not playing together enough and not practicing together enough and starting you know weaker players at the wings because Gallinari were, was hurt and Wes and Decker were so ineffective. They really carried the team, and they were just so much fun to watch. Um, so yeah, I'd say Lou, Trez, and and Juwan, with a shout out to Bobby. What what about your your three favorites to watch? Or I love your the three rook- favorites, I guess.
3: I love the rookies. I thought they were great. Even Thornwell, mm-hmm. I was super high on Thornwell coming in. It's clear his deficiencies, but he was great. He shot really well to end the year in a few of those games. So that's that's a that's a nice move in the right direction. Um, Joan Evans probably would be in my top three as far as just like watchability. I love watching him play. He rem- he has a lot of Kyle Lowry in him, and you know I don't know if he's going to be as good as Kyle Lowry, obviously, but he has a lot of that kind of early Bulldog Kyle Lowry in him, and and I think uh, I think it's a decent comparison. Lowry was a he still is, but Lowry was a really stout defender, like really would pick you up full court type of defender when he was first a Grizzly. And I really love watching him play. Um, I think Juwan Evans has a lot of potential in this league, and I'm really excited to see what he does with a summer off to work on his game and maybe work on his threes. Because even though he didn't shoot well, I think he can be a confident shooter much quicker than someone like Thornwell can be. Um, but my top three Clippers would probably also be Lou and Harold. And my third one would probably be Tobias Harris because that guy is good. Like he is really good. Mm -hmm. He went Mm -hmm. from being Tobias Harris as the return we got for Blake Griffin to be like, yeah, Tobias Harris. I would rather have Tobias Harris than Blake Griffin right now. And that's crazy. Like to me, even, even keeping in mind their contracts in general, I think Tobias Harris might end up being better than Blake in a couple of years. He obviously isn't right now. And he's just a good fit for this team. So I am I'm a big fan of Harris already. I love Bobine because I feel like almost more than anything, he's a great locker room presence. Everyone mm-hmm. seems to love him. DeAndre almost feels like he's forgotten that Blake Griffin went to Detroit just watching his dance videos with Bobby. He's clearly he's clearly a novelty act in the way that you can't play him for long out there. The entire like twelve minutes, thirteen minutes, fourteen minutes. The idea that like I don't know maybe people that go to Roto World or something think that we should play Bobine Marjanovic more. Look at his minutes per, look at his stats per game. The guy can only be played in like fifteen minutes per. Did you guys see the Nuggets game? The dude was beat at the end of that game. Like he could barely Mm -hmm. like run up and down the floor. One like switching all the time. I I know that I know that Doc appreciated the fact that Boban is so long and he can kind of bother, you know bother players on that little pick and roll switch because he's so long and kind of intimidating that way. But if you move around Bobine, like he's going to get tired and he just doesn't have the endurance to like run around all the time in this kind of NBA. He can only be played in spurts and that alone in it in itself makes him his utility, you know, kind of lesser to an <laughs> extent, but he was great. He's a lot of fun. Everyone seems to like him. He's a good, he's a very skilled player and, and like you said, like we've been saying, in certain circumstances he's perfect for a little spurt, a little pick me up, just like he was in that Denver game. And you know, he's had some good games to close the season as well. So I think Bobine is great, but he's like a third string center. Like let's not let yeah. not like joke around about it. He's not really even a second string center at this rate, at what we've seen from him. And I you know, I think the Spurs and you know they used to also play him in spurts and maybe one or two games that he was in leash quote unquote but like you can't play him for that long for a variety of reasons and as much as i like bobby he's not like a superstar just waiting to happen he's just a very niche player and I, I appreciate him i appreciate his niche but i think people need to calm down when they talk about wanting to play him even 25 minutes a game cuz that's not realistic so
2: yeah. yeah those
3: are my those are my 3 it would be I think I want I think Harold is first for me because I knew Lou was great but I didn't know how good Harold was and I think the amount of the of expectations that have been broken have actually been higher from Harold to what I expected compared to Lou to like if you told me Lou Williams would average 20 points per game this season coming in I wouldn't you know I wouldn't be that surprised really the guy has the capability of averaging 20 points a game it, had that he did it in such an effective manner most of the year and at the same clip as like a Kyrie Irving even did possibly mm-hmm. that's that's surprising but that he was a 20 point per game score wasn't surprising that Montrez Harrell is this skilled offensively and this tenacious was a bit surprising to me. I didn't know that he was that good offensively. Like, you could just dump it down to him, even against second units, and he could get you buckets. Like, I didn't know that. Uh, His handle is underrated. Um, He's just a tenacious and skilled player. I thought he was only tenacious, but he kind of showed me what's in his toolbox, and that's been impressive. So I probably would say one Harold, two
4: Williams, and three uh, Tobias Harris. Yeah, I'd probably agree with that. I'd say this. I'd say probably Lou Harrell, um, Joan, But I know what you mean with Harold exceeding expectations. Uh, I, I don't think you want to get too grim on this and talk about like the ugliness and disappointingness and everything. But just because there's been so much of that. But if there's one thing that you wish you could change outside of injuries. Uh, what would it be about the season? Obviously there are so many injuries that we wish probably the easiest would just be Pat Beverly being healthy the entire season. Um, Just him not having that, that, that knee injury and then surgery. But outside of that, if there's one thing you could change about this team or a player on the team or, or what, what would it be for this past season?
3: Honestly, I still kind of wonder that what if we would have pushed harder to maybe just, fire sale the whole team and Mm -hmm. get picks, even if they were low first rounders or even, even if we got two second rounders for like Avery Bradley or some like garbage, like the Alfred Payton, like poo poo platter or whatever. Like I, (laughs) I kind of, you know, not only if we traded DJ for say maybe a low first rounder, not only would we get another pick, but then we would kind of bolster our pick if we would have just gone complete tank mode this season that is maybe one of my regrets. I'm happy that we got to see some great games this year, but if we could have really fire sailed the team even just to like the highest bidder, I kind I'm kind of interested to see how that would have gone. Even for even for Cleveland's low first rounder. I mean Cleveland ended up with what? they they're the fourth seed or in the east? Mm-hmm. I don't know how I don't yeah. know. They're they're not going to have a great pick, but it's going to be what, like early twenties? Like I I don't know. So that's um maybe mid to early twenties. That's another pick to have, and with someone like Jerry West and our scouting team right now, that might not be the worst pick to have. And it would have They'd also have pick yeah twenty fifth twenty fifth. You know that's not great, but another first rounder you could always flip that first rounder and one of our other three first rounders to move up in the draft or for a player, you know, just another first rounder, like we've seen, I mean, Jeff green has been moved around a billion times for first rounders teams get desperate and you have a first rounder in your pocket, you can move it and get a player. So, I mean, I think first rounders are just such premium, um, Mm -hmm. such a premium commodity. And not only that, it would have also tanked our pick and we could have maybe, you know had a top five pick you know there was a brief moment in time where it was like well the Clippers could go either way and they chose to kind of go back into relevance and that's great but if they would have gone full tank mode and had a top five pick in this draft yeah it could have it could have accelerated things a little bit more and you know I do think that DJ might end up staying and I'm not opposed to it um but yeah, I kinda I kinda do wonder where the team could be if they just decided, Hey, we're gonna get out of DJ's contract, have that spare room, get another pick, have all of this space, and just have three first rounders next year, Tobias Harris, Gallinari, who would be stuck with, and all these kids, Thornwell, um, Evans, Beverly, just stockpile assets and maybe, you know, not just draft everything, but maybe use that for a trade and There are a lot of things they could have done if they just wanted to stockpile assets. And that's probably my biggest what if for the season.
4: What about you? Yeah. I mean, I think they didn't really want to do that. I mean, obviously they didn't because they didn't end up doing it, but I think my only regret along those lines is not trading Bradley. I really don't get why they didn't flip him for something. I'm fine with them keeping everybody else, but even if they didn't know he was injured, or even if they knew he was injured and that they couldn't have gotten much for him, I really like, I would have taken two medium medium second round picks for him or, yeah. you know, one better second round pick even along with like a- another expiring salary to match. I just, I really don't know why they kept him unless they want to resign him this summer And I don't really get why they'd want to do that, to be honest. I mean, I think him and Beverly is kind of a tempting perimeter defense duo, but that is not much ball handling or playmaking from your two lead guards, especially with Harris has developed somewhat as a passer and playmaker. He's better than I thought he'd be, but he's definitely not a guy who can just create offense for an entire team. Mm -hmm. Neither is Gallinari, really. Like, the four of them together – along with dj whoever else they have at center like that's just not a very good passing or playmaking team um not one that can really attack the basket consistently very well so i just i don't really get the fit with him so i'm completely with you on that the rest of it Mm -hmm. i think they're trying to do something like what the rockets did uh in the late 2000s and early 2010s before they got james harden where they were kind of just a high 30s, and actually I think they won in the 40s every season, but they were kind of just always in the low 40s, either like a low seed in the playoffs or on the fringe of the playoffs and just got enough assets to where they could flip them. I think the Clippers are trying to do something similar. It's a tightrope to walk because you need to get enough assets or enough room to be able to make that one big leap, and I think the Clippers, from everything they're saying, are banking on free agency next summer. I don't know if they have their eyes on a player in particular, or if just in general they think there could be a lot of guys available and that's their chance to strike, but I do think that they're worried that if they were really bad this season and therefore probably really bad again next season, that those three agents would not consider them even with money and even with the prospect of playing in Los Angeles and with a renovated you know team with with Balmer and with this front office that if they weren't good and they didn't have other. Even semi big name players that they wouldn't be able to attract those guys. So I get it. Um, I think I'm in the end I'm fine with the direction they did. They took. I really don't get why they held on to Bradley like at all. Um, or really him. It's really him or Austin Rivers. I think. And if they really like Bradley, then I'm not sure why they didn't flip Rivers. Um, you know, it it was interesting. I think if I had to just change one thing. That's not injury related. I really wish that this is such a random thing. I really wish they'd kept Jamil Wilson. Like I know that there was a the whole off the court issue with him. I don't know if that mm-hmm. ended up getting resolved. I know he was playing in the G league for the Pacers G league team, but like he was, he's not like that great of an NBA player probably, but they could have used somebody exactly like him. Like he was, you had a good plus minus with the team because he's exactly what they needed from their power forward spot, especially off the bench. They just needed a guy who could shoot and who could kind of play defense and, and protect the rim a little bit in place of because Montrez is not really a rim protector, and Molson was big enough and athletic enough he could get some weak side blocks and stuff. He was exactly what they needed at backup power forward, and if you'd replaced Wes Johnson and Sam Becker's minutes with his this season – I think they would have won a few more games. It's another player they could have kept who's young-ish and and would be really cheap probably going into next season. And, like, I get that they they didn't really know what to do with him, and they had guys coming back from injury, and they had their eyes on Tyrone Walls, who's a lot younger and has the most upside of any of those guys. But it was just kind of disappointing to me because he fits so well with the team, and... He was – I think he's the best shooter outside of Lou Williams at the Clippers and and Tobias Harris. So after those Mm -hmm. two guys, he was the best shooter that the Clippers probably had on the team the entire season. And, Mm -hmm. like, Milos really came on towards the end. But, like, every time Wilson got an open look from three, I thought it was going in. And having that along with a guy who can, like, kind of pass and was, like, very low usage and could play defense a little bit is just super valuable. And it was just disappointing to me. Um, I was I was angry about it in January when they let him go, and I'm still kind of angry about it now. <laughs> um, a lot of it is just because I was forced to watch West Johnson and Sam Decker play basketball. Uh, apologies to both of those guys. They're both really really nice dudes, and they're obviously you know in the grand scheme of things, uh, awesome at basketball. But you, Yo, you they know they were what? Not no good apologies,
3: for this. man. They were terrible. They were not no good apologies. for this team. Even, I don't apologize. Even more
4: than anything else. Even more than anything else, like, they were just really bad fits for this roster and the second unit. Um, Like, Wes Johnson, theoretically, if he could make threes, would be perfect, but he can't make threes. And the Clippers all season needed spacing, and they needed more shooting around DJ and around Harrell. And instead, they had to play these lineups with Sendarius and Ty and Jawan and even CJ, who really looks like he's a better three-point shooter than he is, and Decker and Wes, and just all these guys who can't shoot. And there was a real lack of spacing. And it didn't affect their offense that much. They were obviously still really good, but they could have been better. And, yeah, that was disappointing for me. Um, But, yeah. Yeah, Johnson, why
1: do you do
3: it? Why do you do it? You're the reason I stay up at 3 a.m., and stare at Joe Ingles' three-point percentage until I fall asleep every night. Like, I just stare at his percentage, and I think, God, why couldn't we have kept Joe Ingles? He's so good. It's you,
4: West Johnson. Yeah. It's you. Yeah, you know, like, he, he's, he's a guy that once his contract expires next season, like, I would be perfectly he's out fine of the league. The, <laughs> Yeah, he could be out of the league. But he's also one of those guys who I feel like could stick around just being, like, on a minimum, just being a veteran presence and locker room guy for a couple years. Um, and, like, you know, that's perfectly cool. He's a great guy. He's a great teammate. He, he's been around the game a fair amount of time. Like, he's, he's apparently good at working with other players. But, like, he was fourth on the team in minutes this season. Fourth. Which is incredible. Wow. And, like, they they just weren't going to win that many games with Wes Johnson playing the fourth most minutes. Like, he's he's a 14th or 13th man on the NBA roster, and that's giving him, like, the benefit of the doubt. So, and if anything, West that uh, Wes, if anything, Decker was probably even worse than him this season just because he wouldn't shoot threes at all uh, by, you know, February. So, yeah, you know, it was disappointing that they let, Jamil go and then the stretches where CJ and Ty were down in the G League were also a little painful. But yeah, is there anything else you want to talk about about the overall season or just how things went before we start jumping into questions? Or um, yeah, uh, yeah. I mean, I think I think that covers a
3: good chunk of it. The Clippers this season. We're going to talk more about them as the as the, the summer goes on. Um, they were a fun team. I, I enjoyed this season a lot. It was a lot of fun. It was probably more memorable than last year. And um, Mm -hmm. that says a lot. The fact that they were just this consistent semi-contender last year, but aside from the first like 20 games or so, there just wasn't much joy to that team. And this year there was a, there was a lot of fun. There were so many great wins. Like there were a lot of just really just exciting games. And I didn't even see a lot of them live, but there were games where I saw the score the next day, and I was so excited to watch them on replay on League Pass, and and just a really captivating team, a really great ragtag bunch. I really hope that they can be healthy next year, that they can get they can at least nail one of these picks and have a really nice role player on the team to add to this current bunch because they have a nice team right now. Like that's a that's a quality bunch of guys, but could use a couple more players off the bench. Sure. And I think, I think with all, how much this draft is talked about, once we do know where we're picking, I'm hoping that we can at least nail one of these picks so that it can be a real mm-hmm. substantial player that we can bring off the bench or even maybe even start if it's, if it falls right enough. So we'll see. I'm I'm excited for the draft to maybe plug in some holes and see what we can do as far as the off season goes. But in general, this was a good year. I think it was kind of the best of both worlds where they have a lot of but the team held my attention all year long. So
4: it's pretty cool. Yeah. I think the other thing, just last thing before we get into questions was that um, even by the time the trade deadline came around, they'd won enough games that unless they traded Mm -hmm. literally everybody, they wouldn't be bad enough to get like a top six or seven pick. Really the only Mm -hmm. teams they realistically could have had worse records then are the Pistons, Hornets, and Lakers. And that's really it. So that moves them up to, what, like 10th, which is Mm -hmm. definitely better. But, like, it's not – I'm not sure it's good enough, better. You know, obviously you get all the other assets from tanking and stuff. But it was – this is a tank, tank tank-heavy year this year with just, like, what, eight or nine teams who completely, completely wanted to lose games the last two or three months of the year, which is just incredible and made some – for some really, really bad basketball games, I mean – any game that involved the Suns or the Mavericks or the Bulls or the Knicks or Nets or any of those teams, like, it's just very low-quality basketball. Mm -hmm. Um, But, uh, yeah, let's take a few questions, and then we're going to move on to some playoff stuff because the Clippers Mm -hmm. aren't playing in the playoffs, but we're still going to be watching the playoffs, and we expect most of you guys will as well. Um, So here's a few questions first, though. So uh, this is from... Um, at CP3O, uh, he had a few questions. This is the first. Early targets in the draft and then position of greatest need. I think it's really too early to say early targets in the mm-hmm. draft. We can. It's most likely that the Clippers will have two picks and they'll have 12 and 13. It's possible that they only have one pick because the Pistons jump to the top three. It's possible that they have two, but their own pick is in the top three. So I I really can't say right now. There are a few guys that I kind of have my eye on, but I don't want to get super specific about it until after the lottery. I think position of biggest need is probably a big wing, like a big guy who can play shooting guard and small forward, um, which ideally would have been Michael Bridges, but he's probably going to get drafted too high at this point uh, to fall. Uh, yeah, I think
3: I think we kind of need a swing player, like a natural swing player. You know, Tobias Harris kind of is like a three, but he's kind of a three slash four. You don't really have someone that can, guard, that can maybe a little bit more naturally guard those wings, those two slash threes. And you could call Tobias Harris kind of a three and D, but he's almost like a four and D kind of in the modern NBA. So if we had like a proper, you know, we don't really have like a traditional two, three. Austin Rivers really has size to play point guards and Darius Thornwell is an undersized two. Um, We have a bunch of point guards um, in in, uh, Pat Beverly, Juwan Evans. Even someone like Avery Bradley is an undersized two. We don't really have like a proper two slash three. Uh, I think after that maybe a natural four would be kind of nice to have um, that can also shoot threes. But really between Gallinari and Harris, we're kind of there, but just like a natural swing player to kind of even out the roster in case we wanted a more natural look. and If we wanted somebody to guard a, a, a wing that's a little bit faster than Harris's, that would be nice to have on the team that can shoot, another shooter. Um, we really haven't had a two with any size for a long time, maybe since what? You know, maybe like a McGetty-type Um, even McGetty is pretty much Tobias Harris, except not as good probably. But yeah, it's, it's, uh, I think a a natural type of wing would be nice to have like a two slash three rather than another three slash four, which we pretty much
4: have between Gallinari and Harris. Yeah, I think we basically, um, agree on that. That seems to be the biggest need on the roster right now. Uh, okay, so the next question is also from at CP3O, which is, is Ty Wallace a clipper next season, a starter? Uh, I He's probably not going to be a starter unless the team is going full rebuild. I think he's going to be a clipper. I wouldn't bet money on it, but I think it's more likely than not that he will be. He's going to be a restricted free agent. I don't think he's going to get a huge contract he kind of fell off a little bit towards the end of the season as well in his second stint with the team um it could be because teams figured him out or it could be because he was tired or whatever but he wasn't quite as effective on either end I thought um in the last few games it could also just be because the team didn't have as much to play for but I think he's probably back next season but he's probably not a starter what do you think
3: yeah, I don't know what's really going on with Ty Wallace. It sounds like they're the Clippers are negotiating right now, but they're still not quite there. They gave C.J. Williams a nice deal, which is great. Um, you know, I think everybody kind of agreed as far as the best of all worlds, as far as potential to contribute now, plus future potential, Ty Wallace is really the player to have, as far as even including Wilson from earlier in the year, just because of Wallace's upside. You know, I think Wallace has a good chance of being a Clipper, but I don't know how invested the team is in him. I don't know him not having a shot, like really, it's such a, you know, it's such a, it's such a big deal. You know, Like I, I hate to kind of jump off the Ty Wallace bandwagon. I'm still on it. I think he should be a Clipper next year, but I don't know how invested the team is in bringing him back just yet. Uh, I, I'm not completely certain if he's going to come back for sure. I'm kind of 50-50 on it. I'm not for sure that he's going to come back. And if he comes back, he shouldn't be starting just because like, he probably would be best off coming off the bench. Really, he's a point guard. I think he's best off being that kind of point guard that can take advantage. Almost like a very, very uh, poor man's Ben Simmons type of player where he can kind of get to his spots and get to his sweet spots and, and also kind of dictate a bit. But for the second unit, I think that would be – where he would fit best. Um where he could use his size to kind of get to his spots as uh as a sort of point guard. He has the handle to do that. He has, you know, he has good um handles on in both hands and he has a decent amount of vision. He's a smart player. He's a good defender. Um so I think that would be his ideal spot would be kind of being uh the backup point guard for this team which is kind of also kind of interesting because we have Juwan Evans. So I'm not so certain for sure if, if he's coming back, we'll see. I want him to come back, but from what I can tell, I feel like the Clippers just don't know if he's completely worth what he's asking at this point. I don't know. And I'm not, I'm not so certain that he isn't worth like a little bit more of an upgrade than, what sounds like talks are stalling at, but I'm not completely certain he's coming back and I thought he was
4: not that long ago. So we'll see. Yeah. I mean, I think the contract is kind of a thing. Um, It really, nobody knows what he's going to get offered in free agency. It appears that the Clippers are just going to wait and match um, the offer if they like it. And if not, um, he might just come back on a qualifying offer I'm not entirely sure, but uh, there is definitely some difference opinion there between the team and him and his agents about how much he's worth and what kind of money they're willing to give him. Um, The next question is, um, there's been like a bit of a love fest between Doc and DJ in the past day or so, really in the past day as they've just kind of, just in press conferences and on the court where they were hugging each other a couple times. Uh, Is this like a kind of like signal of like goodbye-ish maybe before they make their decisions? Uh, It could be. I think their futures are both kind of up in the air. There was a report today that it's likely that Doc is coming back, which isn't surprising. Uh, Mm -hmm. They appear to be very close, which is a little surprising. I I knew that they got along for the most part, but I didn't realize how quite close they were um but yeah and i think they're just showing each other a little bit of love before it could be goodbye and obviously they're still going to talk and stuff but it's not quite the same so yeah i mean i I think that's really all it is is just them you know just saying you know that they've had a good run with it and uh that they've enjoyed it and probably good luck and whatever so yeah and what do you think about the doc dj stuff is there anything more there no I mean, this is a heavy
3: season, man. Like, I don't know what people expected. Of course they were gonna be emotional. They we went through it so much this year. I mean, between losing Paul and Blake and DJ's pretty much the last remnant of Lob City. Um let's not forget that Doc Rivers enabled DeAndre Jordan. DeAndre Jordan couldn't even play in front of Lamar Odom to close games uh during the end of the end of the Vinny Del Negro. Tenure. Like, I know that he got benched at the end of that Spurs game and whatever, and DJ was pouting a little bit on the bench, and, of course, he went to Dallas for that brief New York minute and uh, came right back. But DJ has been nothing but a consummate pro. The closest thing to being not happy with the Clippers is during this past midseason, during the trade deadline where he was just kind of looking around and nobody was there he kind of rectified that he kind of showed that he's happy to be with this team. His play has been good. Uh, And he was emotional. He's kind of an emotional guy. So I don't think there's anything to read into that. You know, there's a chance that that one could be gone, both could be gone. Sure. But I think this was just a really heavy season for both of those guys. So I don't read anything into it.
4: Uh, Yeah, I I agree with that. Um, I wouldn't really read much into it either. And then the last question is from Joshua Andrews. Uh, what do we do with Sam Decker and Wesley Johnson? What is Skylo's future with the Clippers? I think this is all pretty straightforward. If they can find a team that is willing to take Decker or Wes, especially Wes, they dump them. Um, The odds are that's not going to happen, especially Wes. Again, uh, his contract (laughs) is is pretty expensive. And if any team is going to sign him again, it would be as like for the very veteran minimum as a locker room presence and as like a deep reserve, not for $7 million to actually play. Decker is still young enough that a team might want to take a chance on him, but he's also cheap, and he's at a position that the Clippers don't have, like, a ton of depth at, so I really wouldn't be that surprised if they wanted to hang on to him anyway, even though he was super disappointing this year, but, uh, yeah, and I think the Clippers keep both of those guys into next year. They have guaranteed contracts, and they're hard to get rid of. Same with Gallo. I mean, I don't know anybody who's going to trade for him. He played like 20 games this season. He wasn't even that good in the games he did play. Um, he's he's 30 now, and he kind of just is what he is. And yeah, and I think all three of those guys are could be on the team next year. I don't know if they're going to be in it the entire season because uh, as West becomes an expiring, he's his contract becomes more tradable. Same with Becker. Um, and as time ticks on Gallinari, his contract also becomes a little less uh, onerous. So, yeah, I mean, I think they're probably all going to stay through the summer, and then I'm guessing all—not all three of them will be here by the time we're, we roll around a year from now. So next summer, I would guess that not all three of them will be. But uh, for right now, I don't think they're going anywhere. What do you think?
3: Wes Johnson is a terrible person, so it's just I hate I. He is terrible. Like I don't know, he's not a terrible person, but he's such a bad basketball player that it bleeds into his personhood for me. So I can't stand West Johnson. He's terrible. Just terrible. He's so he's so bad at everything. Um he's never leaving the Clippers. Maybe he'll he'll sign a ten year deal after this and and just uh retire a Clipper and we'll and we'll raise his jersey in the into the Rafters next to all the Lakers championships where he belongs. Um, just a great, just a great waste of a contract. I can't believe how bad he's become. Like what an albatross he's become. He's not leaving. Nobody's going to want him. Maybe they'll take him as an expiring when, when it gets closer, but he'll be on the team start next season. Um, you know, I have some hope for Decker. I, I, I think that maybe Decker just didn't know plays. He's young. Um, You know, he was trying to find the spots. I don't know what happened to his jump shot, but I have a little bit of hope that maybe Decker can rebound a bit next year with a full training camp and some practice and maybe a good off season. I have some hope in Decker. Um, He's not quite where Wes is, or Wes has just been part of the team and just just sucks. Um, And Gallinari, we're stuck with him. I mean, we're just stuck with him. So I think Gallinari is good. I think he's a good player. I don't know if he'll ever be healthy. And I like the Gallinari-Tobias combo. I think mm-hmm. that they complement each other really well. And and keeping one on the floor at all times is really cool. I think that they can work pretty good as a duo. Um, but unfortunately, Gallinari just was always hurt. If Gallinari was healthy, he would be worth his contract probably, to be honest. But he's not. So he barely played this year. And we're just going to have to hope that he has a 60-game season next season. Um, mm-hmm. And if he if he does, the team will make the playoffs. You know, if he doesn't, they're gonna they're probably gonna be in limbo again. So a lot rests on Gallinari, and he's not tradable at this point.
4: Yeah, I mean, I, I think that sums it up. I think not like Decker is probably the most tradable of them, but they wouldn't really get anything from him, and it's worth just having him around to take another shot at him. So mm-hmm. yeah, I mean, I think they're all gonna be on the team next season, and the best we can do is hope that they're better. Um I definitely think but, the Gallinari um, the Gallinari two picks combo
3: will be like thrown around plenty around the draft. If any superstar is disgruntled, the Clippers should just toss around Gallinari and the two lottery picks to, to Kawhi Leonard to anyone. Like I, I don't think it'll work. It won't.
4: But yeah, you know, if, if that doesn't if work, their picks sort of a bias, little bit better. Yeah.
3: Mm-hmm. If
4: their picks were a little better, or if one of them was a little better, I think that would be tempting. But for like a superstar, like a twelfth and thirteenth pick, just I don't know yeah. if that does it. Like, yeah. and if they jump to top three, I'd rather they just keep the pick. To be honest, unless it's for like Kawhi mm-hmm. Leonard himself. Um yeah. Yeah. I, I think there will be trade rumors about him, but I really I don't think he's going anywhere. Um, Me neither. But speaking of Kawhi Leonard, the Spurs are in the playoffs, and the playoffs start on Saturday. Um, the Spurs series happens to be the one that I think I'm least interested in and that I will probably watch zero active minutes of, which is Spurs against a Steph Curry warriors, which is just such a boring bland series to me. Um, you know, if Kawhi was healthy, him against Durant would be really cool. And he in does a lot, but he's not going to play. I don't think everybody's still dreaming that he does. I, I just don't think he's playing this season. Um, that's the series. That would be my least favorite series to watch. Uh, but really, I think we were talking about this a little bit in our, in our group chat before the pod. I'm really not that excited for the first round of the playoffs this year. I think there are like two or three series that are very interesting. And a lot of them just I just don't care about either because I don't like the teams or I don't think the matchups are good or I don't think the teams are that good. I don't really. I'm not that invested in the first round this year, and it's not just because the Clippers aren't in it. Like I just, there really aren't that many series that I'm gonna be drawn to. Uh, what do you think of the playoffs as a whole this year? And like, what are, you, what's your favorite series? Like the series you're really gonna be watching, and what's the one you're really just gonna completely ignore? I'm like, I'm like half and half.
3: There are like four first round series where I can make a case that they're compelling, and then there are the other four that just suck. Like the Golden State Spurs matchup sucks. Um, I think that the Washington-Toronto, you can kind of sell yourself that maybe it's interesting because of their history, but I think it's going to be a quick series. I think Washington's a mess. I think Toronto will make quick work. I think the Philly-Miami series will be good. I, I think that'll be a good series. I think, um, I love the Sixers, so I'll be watching them a lot. And I think Miami's actually an interesting an interesting type of matchup just for Ben Simmons and the fact that they have a few wings that can kind of guard Ben Simmons. And if MB truly doesn't play maybe half that series, then it could be an interesting matchup. And I love Spo is a great coach and kind of has like his system in Miami versus the Sixers. And if they get Embiid back and they have to kind of integrate Embiid back into the lineup and faults and I'm very drawn to the Sixers. So I'll, I'll be into that matchup. I think that I think the Pelicans can beat the Blazers. Like I think the the Pelicans are kind of clicking right now, and and mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. I, I'm in, I'm interested in that series. I definitely think if I would pick uh, a team that could that could win that doesn't have home court, I think I would pick the Pelicans. Um, the Rockets the Rockets series is going to be a snoozer. Um, the Cleveland series is going to be a snoozer. The Boston series is going to be a snoozer. Um the yeah. Utah Oklahoma City series should be good. Um that would be a fun I series. Think
4: that will be good basketball, but I hate both of those teams. So I just <laughs> I'm not gonna watch it. Like yeah, that that's might true. be I think that's the one like all the NBA Twitter like media people are super excited about. Like Zach Lowe said he's most excited for that, and a bunch of other people were like, Yeah, like I agree. I'm just like it's probably good. it might be the highest quality basketball and most competitive, but like I can't stand the jazz and Westbrook and the Thunder just annoy me. Like I like Melo, but he's been horrible this season. Paul George just rubs me the wrong way. The only guy I could root for in that series is like Ray Felton, and <laughs> I'm just not gonna watch a series for Ray Felton. Um, but yeah, and I think I think the Sixers. I just I've come to like them though. Ben Simmons also, and he I love watching him play, but as a personality, I don't really care for him super super well. Um, mm-hmm. But I'm gonna be rooting for them. I like both the Wizards, even though they're a complete disaster right now, and the Raptors. So I'm probably going to be rooting for the Raptors to beat them and then hopefully take out the Cavs. And then, like, a Raptors-Sixers Eastern Conference final could be fun. Um, Mm -hmm. But, yeah, like, the Celtics-Bucks series is just a complete – I'm just not going to watch that. Pacers-Cavs – Pacers-Cavs will probably be not great basketball, but at least they'll be, like, high-scoring – um, but mm-hmm. I don't think going could be close either. The Cavs will destroy them. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, like, like, I mean, I think half the series are either going to be boring or just not very competitive. And the other half might be competitive but won't be that interesting. I think there might be, like, two actually good series, which I think, to be honest, is usually how it is. Like, there's yeah. usually only ever a couple good ones in the first round. But I think most years there's at least hope for better Uh, going into it, whereas this year, I feel like the matchups are just all wrong. Like, if the Wizards had played the Celtics, that would be a lot more fun, just because it would be more competitive, and they have the rivalry. The Bucks and Raptors have more of a history, and then, you know, Heat against LeBron could have been cool, like Wade against LeBron, him back in Miami, but the East just, it is all the wrong matchups there. Um, Just every every matchup that could go wrong did. And kind of the same in the West, um so yeah I'm I'm really not that excited. So I think it feel, it sounds like you're going to be rooting for the Sixers and I, I think we're we'll both could be rooting for the Rockets. So if you who do you think is going to win the finals and who do you want to win the finals?
3: Um I want the I want the Cavs to win the finals. Um realistically, if I mean if I'm saying complete like daydreaming, it would be a lot of fun if the Sixers got to the finals and But Mm -hmm. if I'm being realistic, I think I would like the Cavs to win for reasons I've mentioned before. I want LeBron to win another ring. I think he deserves another ring. Um, I think he definitely can beat, like, the Rockets if they make it to the finals or something. But I do think the Warriors are going to win another championship. I think Curry will be back, and they're just just too good.
4: So I think,
3: yeah.
4: I mean, I think if Curry is healthy, I think they win again. The question is, will he be healthy I don't know if anybody knows right now, but yeah, I mean, the the Rockets have their own injury troubles. Like Luke Mbamute is going to miss some time now, and he's really a key player for them. I would mm-hmm. love for Chris Paul and Luke to win a championship. I mean, sadly, uh, James Harden would win as well, which would be annoying, yeah. but I mean, Eric yeah. Gordon is there too. Like, I really like Nene. Um, Ryan Anderson's a good guy. Um Like, most of their team outside of Harden is pretty likable, I think. Um, Yeah, but Harden. Yeah, and and Gerald Green to a lesser extent. But, yeah, like, outside of Harden and, and like, you know, D'Antoni is cool, and he probably should have won a championship with the Suns anyway. I think it would be fun if the Rockets won. Uh, I just – the one thing that I really, really don't want is another Cavs-Warriors final. And I think it's fairly likely. Like, it's probably the most likely of options – But, like, I would just – I would hate that so much. I've said it before, but it's still true. That just isn't compelling. The Warriors would destroy the Cavs, I think, in any prolonged series. And I just – I can't bring myself to care about that round part four again. Um, Mm -hmm. But, yeah, I mean, I think really I wouldn't mind any of the likely candidates winning or getting there outside of the Warriors. Like, I'd like (laughs) if the Rockets won – I would be very happy if the Cavs won and LeBron got another ring. If the Raptors or Sixers, which are really the only two even semi-contenders to make it out of the East outside the Cavs, if either of them made it, I'd be happy for them. So really for me, it's anybody but the Warriors realistically to win. <laughs> but I mean, if Curry's healthy, I think they do it. Uh, he's he's just so good. But if he's not, like they could realistically they, I think they do lose to the Rockets if he's either not playing or not healthy. I think the Rockets beat them, and like, I think the even, Rockets,
3: the, the second round for the Rockets will be tough, mostly because they'll have to me. either they'll have to either deal with Gobert or Adams as like the safety for Harden, and that'll be really interesting. So, I'm pretty interested in that second round matchup, and of mm-hmm. course, with all the pressure of making it back to the Western Conference Finals for Harden. Or making it there in the first place for Paul, they'll be added on. And, and Oklahoma City, I think, I think the Tyra Westbrook chip on his shoulder, watching Harden win an MVP, could be a really re- a uh, a real thing. It could either make him absolutely awful or maybe
4: <laughs> make him good. <laughs> the Westbrook conundrum. Uh, yeah, yeah. I think the second round should get a lot more interesting. Um, you know, Cavs Raptors would probably be pretty fun. Sixers against the Celtics or Bucks would probably be pretty good. Mm. Um, you know, Blazers uh, Blazers or Pelicans against the Warriors isn't very interesting because I think the Warriors destroy yeah. them. But Rockets against Thunder Jazz would be cool. Yeah, I mean, I hope the first round is better than we think it is. I hope I hope the teams I support win because. Without the Clippers, I'm just going to have to bandwagon for some other teams, which would honestly relieve a lot of the pressure. Like, I won't get all stressed out for their games again, (laughs) um, which will be nice. I won't have to watch the Clippers collapse in the playoffs for the seventh year in a row. Um, (laughs) But, uh, yeah, I mean, I think just to recap, I mean, I think it was a good year. I think the Clippers did all that they could, and they had a lot of fun, and – there was really a lot of team chemistry and camaraderie and a lot of good moments to take away that I'll remember. And, uh, it it was a fun season to watch and to recap and stuff, but for the next uh, couple months, we are going to be talking about other teams a lot and talking about just, I think we're going to do some more breakdowns on specific players, just looking at more how their seasons developed and what, you know, they could work on next or what we think will happen to them. But, uh, yeah, I think that's about all I have for right now. I'm just I'm excited for the playoffs to start, even even though the Clippers won't be in it. Yeah, that's about
3: it for me too. Thanks to everybody for listening all season. Thanks to you, Rob, for being a co-host. Thanks to Clips Nation. It's been, it's always fun working for this. You know, the first one of the very first things when I started posting on the regular, um, even before Blake Griffin became a Clipper. I asked the site about like starting a podcast and what we could do about it and it's been a fun it's been a really fun time doing this pod and uh just talking yapping about whatever is on my mind and stuff like that It's been really good it's been fun to do it with you Rob and with Aditya when he wherever he is <laughs> whatever he <laughs> comes in. yeah mm-hmm. um yeah so it's been it's been a good time as always listeners leave leave a leave a review on iTunes if you can and thanks for listening it's been Been a great season. It's been a fun season. And let's hope the Clippers can kind of keep this forward building momentum going forward and enjoy the playoffs. The playoffs should be fun this year. Enjoy it without getting too stressed out, even if you're, you know, rooting against a team. If the Warriors or the Rockets get farther than you want them to, just relax. It's fine. It's all right. (laughs) And as always, go Clippers! Awesome thought about the three ball. free ball. There Back to about it. Still about it. There Two in a row.
1: Hi, this is Garrett Sisti. Hold for applause. The host of the Lightning Round Podcast and Score More with Garrett Sisti, all under the Bolts from the Blue Podcast Network, covering your local Los Angeles Chargers. The podcasts are great, but don't take my word for it. Listen to this kid. Kids don't lie. It seems Forget the kids. Search Bolts from the Blue on iTunes to find great Chargers podcasts like the Lightning Round podcast and score more with Garrett Sisti and add them to your podcast rotation. I'm not giving you that dollar.